Max freaking Scherzer. Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer. At the top of the rotation at City Field come October. I'm drooling thinking about it. So let's talk about it next on Amazing But True. I've let Billy and Sandy know that it's whatever they need. Max Scherzer has a no-hitter. Max Scherzer has done it again. He has thrown two no-hitters against two playoff teams. Marte back toward the wall, reaches up. Why wouldn't he make the play? Why wouldn't he make another beautiful play out in center field? He's done everything else. 3,000 for Scherzer! The 19th member of the 3,000 strikeout club. It's the payoff. Canna swings and sends one to left field. Back is Yastrzemski at the track, and it's gone! Mark Canna delivers! Escobar hits one deep to left field. There it goes! El De La Pica ties the ball game. Swing and a miss. He got it. Marte drives one to left, deep left, and that baby is gone. Escobar hits a fly ball deep to right field, and we're tied. He struck him out, blew it by him, 10Ks in his Dodger debut. Go take a shower, Max Scherzer, your night's over. That was impressive. Ooh, welcome to an emergency edition of Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. Jake Brown here, Nelson Figueroa there. And those highlights you just heard in that montage, courtesy of Masson, Fox, Fox Sports West, Bally Sports, and Sportsnet LA. Forget the pleasantries. We'll tell you about our Thanksgivings and everything later. The news of the day is here, Figgy and Max Scherzer, one of the greatest pitchers of our generation a guy who's won 190 games he's got a 190 and 97 record is coming to the Mets do you believe it do you believe in miracles yes three years 130 million dollars Billy Epler you handsome son of a bitch you brought in Starling Marte you brought in Canna you brought in Escobar and now you've outdone yourself you, Steve Cohen, the power duo, the most iconic duo since Keenan and Kel have brought DeGrom and Scherzer together as one to lead the Mets rotation. Figgy, I am shocked by this news. I am so happy, and we'll get into what the naysayers say and the age and everything else, but initial reaction to this news, Figgy, is jubilation and excitement about a, a true dominant ace and really a 1A to Jacob DeGrom. And you really salivate just at the thought of back-to-back days seeing these guys at City Field. I'm speechless. I'm in awe. We were up through the night Sunday night, the first night of Hanukkah, after I shoved brisket and lakas down my throat. It happened Monday, and what a glorious time to be a Mets fan. Happy Hanukkah, everybody. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a big way to break in uh, to the holiday season. Wow. I mean, what we thought wasn't possible. Remember during the deadline, he didn't want to be a Met. He wanted to go out to the West Coast. And of course, it's the easy one was to be with the Dodgers. They were probably the most complete team. Team that had the best chance for him to get back to the World Series. He took that option. It didn't work out. But man, when you can think and fantasize about having Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer at the top of this rotation, what it means to the rest of this team, what it means to this organization, what it means to the city and the, and the fans. 
it means that this team is serious. Uh, ownership is serious about winning. And now they're not playing any more games. This is in a wait and see mode. This is a win now mode. The three moves alone go back to just the Black Friday moves. It was great. It was great to have those three guys, to put guys who are, are instantly make your team better. You're not looking like it wasn't a $300 million signing of somebody, you know, like the Correas or the Trevor Stories or anybody of that nature. But you had three players who not only uh, complement each other, but help this team in a, in a major way where you had backup guys who had to perform admirably, but they were still batting 220, 230. We kept saying it. We're celebrating guys who are batting 217. You know, you're looking at Starling Marte, who has a career batting average of 289, better than most guys in all of baseball. And I don't think people recognize how good of a player Marte is. They're able to get him for $78 million in four years. He's a guy that gold glove caliber in center field. He steals bases, which we don't see anymore. 47 stolen bases in this day and age is unheard of. He puts the ball in play and he can he can field it with the best of them. So they just made the top of your lineup that much better which means a lot more RBIs uh, for a guy like Pete Alonso. You keep going down the list of what these guys do and how they make your team better. We had guys last year like VR who were going to be expected to come off the bench occasionally and, and played admirably. Don't get me wrong. But Escobar is a much better player than VR. Um, and I'm excited to see him in whatever role or capacity it's going to be. Then the Max Scherzer news. And this is groundbreaking. This is you're talking about um, one of the biggest signings probably in the history of this franchise. Like you talk about Mike Piazza and Max Scherzer is not too far from that trade for Mike Piazza. He's probably in the top five moves, you know, if it works out, of course, in the history of this franchise, especially if they do complete that three to five year window and end up winning a World Series with DeGrom going in game one. Max Scherzer going in game two. DeGrom game six, Scherzer game six. Those two in October healthy should impose fear into any other playoff team. Absolutely. And, of course, when you have the the, the pickups and the, the other moves to help score runs. We've had DeGrom here for three years, and he's been, what, his max wins have been 12. So it's not a, oh, my God, they're going to win 20 games each now because they are who they are. They're still the best top five pitchers in baseball in, in any division, in any league. But when you're able to score them some runs, it's going to make it a lot easier for them to complete the task. Plus, they are going to be innings eaters as well. You hope that these guys are going to be able to go seven plus and be able, if they go back to back going seven plus and you only have to use one or two pitchers those first two nights of a series, then the third day, you know, you have that whole bullpen fresh and ready to go and, and give you their, their performances. So it, it, it's like getting a very good middle reliever as well when you get somebody like Max Scherzer because he's going to be able to lengthen out that rotation and, and give those guys opportunities to be their best two times through the lineup because that old school baseball, that's what Max Scherzer is. Since Roy Halladay, he's one of my favorite pitchers because he won't give up the ball. You got to fight him for the baseball no matter who you are as a manager. And you know that that's what aces do. Aces don't give up the ball. He's that guy. And and, and Vicky, he gives them an insurance option, too, because, you know, when, when DeGrom went down, they didn't have a guy to go to every five days that they could give the ball to win the game. Now, God forbid, there is another DeGrom injury, or if Scherzer gets hurt, you still have DeGrom. You have that ace when your team does lose three or four in a row. You say, all right, let's give it to the Cy Young winner. That's a big feeling in an era where guys are always getting hurt. To have two franchise pitchers, is a major game changer for this team. Yeah, we, we often talk about it. When you talk about aces, if you can tell me all 30 aces around baseball, because every team's supposed to have an ace, you can't do it. It's, it, it's, not, it's not easily done off the top of your head. So to have two guys, again, who are in the top five of this generation of pitchers, that, that's an incredible get. And to me, talking about the, the age and, you know, oh, it's the length of the contract, whatever it may be, the age has to do with performance and production. 
right? And when you start going back to, you know, getting Tom Glavin at the end of his career, getting Pedro Martinez at the end of their career, this is different. This is a guy who's still dominating baseball. This isn't a guy who's trying to figure out how to stick around. This isn't a guy who's trying to one more shot at maybe making it to the playoffs. This isn't what this is. This is a guy who's at his prime of his career is still going. You realize he had a 2.47 ERA last year in 30 starts. You realize that in the playoffs where the Dodgers, who had a very complete roster and lineup, still wanted to go to him as often as possible. And he wasn't able to do it for that game six or game seven or whatever it was that he had to bypass. It's understandable that the man puts every ounce of energy and effort into every single pitch. He is max effort. What comes out of it is max results. This is a, a, a very special uh, pitcher. And normally it's must-see TV to have those two going against each other. Now having them team up, man, it's going to be exciting. I like that you said max results there. Was was the pun intended on that one? Very nicely done. Not um, my first rodeo, bro. <laughs> and by the way, as we were talking, Robbie Ray looks like it's finalizing a deal with the Mariners. So he is off the board. You know, we expect them to get another pitcher, but maybe not to that level now. You throw $43 million. Now, this is the highest AAV, you know, annual average value, I guess is what it stands for, of any player ever in the history of baseball, correct? So he, the Mets mean business. Steven Matz's agent statue will hang outside City Field next to Tom Seaver. <laughs> Because that tweet, you made Uncle Stevie mad. And Uncle Stevie didn't go make some meatballs. He threw some dollars. I mean, he made it rain. He made it strip club James Harden rain when it comes to signing Max Scherzer. That is big boy money. And that's what it took because you had to outbid other teams that want him. And you had to go for a guy who, let's be real, he's on the back end of his career. But let's tell it how it is. He has still been dominant, Figgy. He was 7-0 with the Dodgers. He has a sub-3 ERA every year that's been a full season since 2014. That was the last year he had over a 3 ERA because you throw a 2020 out the window where he only had 12 starts. He's been fantastic, and he's still, like you said, he's out there. He's not getting hurt. 30, 31, 33, 32, 32, 33, 33, 34, 31, 33, 27, 30. Those are his amount of starts every year. That's durability. So for the people who want to knock, oh, you're giving him this money in the back end of his career, you can argue that's true, but this isn't the Wilpons anymore. So if Uncle Stevie wants to throw $43 million a year, go do it because he brings a lot to the table. And Of course, injuries happen, and maybe it does happen, but this is a chance that the Mets had to take. They needed to take if they want to take this team to the next level. You missed out on Gaussman, which is fine. Gaussman had a career year. He's always been a number four starter usually. Now you got another ace, and now you don't have to worry as much about bringing Marcus Stroman back. I'm not – if they don't bring Stroman back, I won't lose sleep now that you have uh, Scherzer Figgy because – you also got to deal with Stroman, you know, calling out, you know, saying about, oh, I've heard sources tell me, sources are me, that the Mets like Scherzer and Ray and these other guys more than me. Well, Scherzer's better than you. I'd much rather have Max Scherzer than Marcus Stroman. People will say, you know, oh, I'd rather have Stroman because he's younger. Max Scherzer is a season-changing pitcher. I'm not sure Marcus Stroman is as much. So this is pretty damn exciting news i am looking forward to seeing these guys out there and it took me by surprise figgy i did not think he'd leave the sunshine of the west coast the pressure in new york now you got new yorkers and mets fans having one blue contact lens one orange contact <laughs> lens they're changing their color of the eyeballs i might have to get lasik and, and make my my eyes orange and blue i mean it is just exciting time i mean the, the streets of i wish i was in new york right now i'm in south carolina and it pissed me off that i'm not like in the streets like celebrating 
you know, that feeling is unparalleled in New York when you walk the streets and see a fellow Mets hat or jersey and you nod your head at each other or you say, let's go Mets. It happens to me Sunday morning. I go get my bagel and my coffee. You see a Jets jersey. You say, yeah, let's go Jets or Giants. Let's go Giants. It is unparalleled. Here, I walk down the street and I'm saying hello to a cow and a horse. So it's a, it's a lot different. There's a reason for jubilation from Mets Twitter. I don't know if you saw last night, a Twitter space has had 3,000 plus people in it. Just a couple of podcasters like us doing a Twitter spaces, this fan base is ignited, and rightfully so, because like you said, it wasn't just the Cyber Monday move. It was those Black Friday moves that were kind of like, all right, the mozzarella stick, you know, the, the bacon cheeseburger. <laughs> they now the, here's the, the filet mignon. The tower. They got the tower. They, you know, that, that for the appetizer. Well, what could I get? No, no, give me the tower. Give me three. I celebrated by you know eating I mean? leftover chicken parm before we recorded it in honor of, you know, Shocker. I have to mention chicken parm. I had it. So this is a reason to be pumped. Yeah, so when, you, when you're looking at Uncle Stevie money and you're looking at being in the largest media market in the world and you want to make a splash, for TV money every year, they're getting $50 million. Well, that goes to Max Scherzer because he is must-see TV. And now that you have that kind of a frontline guy to add to already the best pitcher in baseball when healthy, it's really organizational changing uh, the trajectory that this team is on. Of course, before any game is even played, which is always tough to do, but you can see the pieces uh, of the puzzle getting better and better. And this is now a team that can contend right away with just those two moves, uh, or I should say those two days of action, you know, the four players. Uh, we talked about the Mets losing six players to free agency, um, and still there's a lot more to go. I'm telling you, I think now it is so attractive for a free agent to say, hey, Look what the Mets just did. If it's a similar contract, I want to sign there. I want to sign in New York. I want to be a part of some of, of winning a championship for the first time in 37 years. I want to be a part of uh, watching firsthand DeGrom and Scherzer and being able to, you know, put up numbers and not be the only guy on the team in the middle of Minnesota. You know, uh, so I could see guys finding this all of a sudden and then turning course and saying, hey, check in with the Mets. Remember that deal they made us? Remember that offer they made us? Let You know, let's see if we can get involved with this. Even for a manager. They don't have a manager yet. That's These what guys don't even know who they're mind. playing for. I, I'm getting roasted on Twitter. I got old takes exposed coming at me. I got Meek Phil over here. This dude has screenshots of everything you say that <laughs> could end up being wrong. I mean, immediately he quote tweeted me and I called myself out, you know, in the past, I might have deleted it to avoid. Now I'm going to stand by my bad takes and call myself out. So he basically, I said, can't even blame free agent for being unsure about coming to the Mets besides the Cohen drama. What free agent wants to come to team where there's no idea who their manager is? That plays a factor, especially when other teams are offering the same or more money. Sign a manager. I have egg all over my face and I just ate eggs with bacon and toast. You know, thanks to Mama Brown, the chef this morning. Thanks to that cow you walked by this morning. Thanks to the cow that I was tipping earlier. But, uh, you know, in New York, I'm I'm tipping waiters here. I'm tipping cows. It's just a different world. But I have egg on my face. I'll take the L. But I really am surprised by this, that without a manager, and I think the Mets thought Biggie might be, all right, there's a lockout coming. We're going to have time to lock in who we want our manager. Money talks, BS walks. And our buddy Joe DeMeo said, said that as well. I was wrong. I really thought having a knowing who your boss is to me, it's like, all right, I'm going to go to work and I have no idea who I'm reporting to. Who is my boss? I guess it just does not matter. I know we're in an age where managers don't play a factor like they used to. I get that, but it feels strange to me. But when you throw $43 million in the highest AAV a year at a guy, 
I guess that makes a big difference. But we still got to figure out who the manager is. That's like a storyline hanging over this team that we're not even worried about because they've just you know added such big pieces. Plus, now all of a sudden that market grows exponentially, right? Because what former manager doesn't want to lead this team? before it was a problem there is still that you know concern about tweeting behind your back and calling people out and all that stuff but i think at the end of the day a money of course makes the world go round and i was laughing with andrew before we did the show that uh scherzer should get paid in bitcoin because his contract could be worth a trillion dollars if he does that just lets it ride in bitcoin why wouldn't you if you're max scherzer you already made 200 million dollars but at the same time you're looking at a guy who's also seeing that opportunity you're looking at a, a bunch of guys who are coming over and the rest of the free agent market. So for me, if there was a manager in place, yes, it can make a difference because you like to have that personal relationship with someone. If you have one already with the guy, it makes it easier to do that signing because you know he's a straight shooter or not. You know if he's BS'd you in the past. You know, But at the same time, when you're making 40, $43 million a year, do you really care? All you're focusing on is doing what you have to do every fifth day and dominating baseball and then watching Jacob DeGrom dominate either before you or after you and sitting back and going, let's see how many wins we can pile up and get this team to the World Series. This went, Figgy, from a job that you're not sure if someone wants to. Managers should be lining up. I mean, they should they should be outside City Field. Stop at Amore Pizza on the way. Get your pizza. Get your couple slices. And then come to City Field and, and send in your resume. Because this is a job you want. I think there's depth. There's more money that's going to be spent. You know, the owner is good. And and now his wife is getting involved, who who we met in the suite. Wonderful lady. Shout out to Alex Cohen. The Bariqua has gotten involved. And she spoke personally to Max Scherzer. Boricua, Boricua. Uh, Thank you. You like barista. <laughs> barista. Uh, again, Starbucks uh, double macchiato over here. Uh, oh, good God. Macchiato. Boricua. Shout out to Macchio. Yo, stay focused, bro. I know. I can't. So much coffee. So much Mets. <laughs> so much news. The Jets, the Giants win. The Mets get Max Scherzer. I mean, so much is happening. But you know, the reports have said that she spoke. Alex Cohen spoke to Max and his wife selling them on their vision. Well, their vision for 2022 should be World Series title. I think you start any rotation with those names, you're thinking World Series. Now, Kikuchi, you say Kikuchi is uh, a name being floated around, a combination maybe, Figgy, of you know maybe when people hear this, it's already done, but say it's Kikuchi and Rich Hill. How do you like that rotation? Say that is what they do, and it's DeGrom, Scherzer, Carrasco, Kikuchi, Taiwan Walker, depth pieces, Rich Hill, McGill, and David Peterson. Peterson. I'd be uh, fine um, with that. What do you think? Well, I mean, I still want to shoot a little bit higher than Rich Hill. I think there's uh, there's going to be somebody there in the middle. Well, as your uh, middle sixth ground. starter, though, he wouldn't be in the top five. Mm, I, still, still you, you would hope he wouldn't be in the top five, but if he is in the top five, and he did well, don't get me wrong. He did admirably in that role last year, but I'm still looking for a little bit more. I'm looking for a little bit more certainty. I'm looking for a guy. Again, I think there are going to be guys who are going to say, I want to be, whether it's third fiddle or fourth fiddle. It doesn't matter because when they're out on that mound, and they know that they have a full rested bullpen because Scherzer and DeGrom did their thing, they're going to have an opportunity to win 15, 20 games. So if you take a deal, say you take a two-year deal while Max is in his three-year deal, you take a two-year deal and you wind up winning a World Series or going to the playoffs at least two years in a row and you put up really good numbers because you're the third best option behind those two guys and you can learn from those two guys, that's where I think you know you look at your career where you're at. If you're a 30-year-old, then you want to be a part of something like this. And if you're a guy at the end of your career, yeah, hell yeah, you think Rich Hill 
Bill's not making that call and trying to be, hey, uh, I'll be the sixth starter. I'll be the seventh starter. He just wants to be around that because he knows what the potential is with uh, those two guys at the top of the rotation. So I, I, I'm excited. I'm excited about what the possibilities are. We'll see what happens before the deadline of the um, lockout. You know, if they're able to get a couple of more pieces before then. But I think this has been uh, historic news. Uh, you have a guy who's Hall of Fame bound, who has literally dominated the game of baseball in a way, and we've had to watch it. And uh, I think my most fond memory of Scherzer is when the Mets were going to the playoffs and the Nats were out of it, and Scherzer decided to shove it up their butt by throwing a no-hitter. And it was the most angry no-hitter I had ever seen. His intent from you know pitch one was, I'm going to absolutely dominate and embarrass these guys. How dare they? And I don't think they had their A lineup out there against them because, uh, you know, they were, they were, you know, celebrating that they were made the playoffs. But it was ridiculous what he did. Andrew just gave a great, uh, you know, second highest game score ever in baseball. Just with your eyes and you know baseball, it was the most angry no-hitter I had ever watched where this guy was just pounding the zone. The grunts were louder. The sliders were fiercer. The change-ups just had Bugs Bunny movement on them. And you just knew from after the first inning, this guy was going to do something that we were going to talk about. The Mets were going to playoffs, great, but you were going to talk about this game and talk about Max Scherzer in a different light after this. And I always have. I think he's one of the one of the best pitchers in the game who goes out there and, and, and gives you his all and will not back down from anybody. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch baseball in City Field this summer. And I get the naysayers, but we need to turn the page on that chapter. This franchise has money now. This will be the number one payroll in baseball, will be the New York Mets. It's crazy. Just saying that right now, it's insane. And I get that he's old, and I get he might only have a couple years left, but this is two years and an option for the third year. So if it flops, it flops. You know, you deal with it, but on such a short term, maybe only two year deal, you live with it and you hope to love it. If he stays healthy as he's had throughout his entire career, the track record tells you he's going to make 30 starts. If he doesn't, then yes, you could say, all right, Metsian ways guy comes in the back end of his career and sucks. But from all that we've seen, he has not slowed down and he is going to be fun to watch. And it's funny, I, I made fun of you know, the Mets, you know, selling individual game tickets. They don't make any moves. The turnaround in the last five days <laughs> has been something so utterly unbelievable from losing out on Aaron Loop. We talked about in the last emergency podcast, losing out on Syndergaard, which now looks like a blessing. Go enjoy your time on the rides in Disneyland, you loser. We got Max Scherzer. Enjoy California because the big boys are in Queens, Noah. The Thors, the superheroes are atop our rotation. You would be number three on this staff, you loser. We got two aces in the hole. The Mets are back. Let's go, Mets. It is showtime. Starling Marte, I've wanted this guy here for years. I am so pumped to have him and Brandon Nimmo at the top of the line because, Figgy, they could score runs. They can steal bases. They can move guys over, and they set the table for your big boppers in the middle of the order, whether bias happens or not. If you do have bias, bias, Alonzo. I mean, the options are endless for the lineup. You bring in depth, and we, we talk a little bit about it, you know, with Cannon Escobar. Escobar's coming off an all-star year. I know people are like, oh, these guys are in their early to mid-30s. Who cares? They're all coming off solid seasons. All these yeah, guys they're not they ten-year deals. They're not yeah. ten-year deals. See, that's what that's and the it was difference. Two years, because... twenty million. It was ten million a year in today's yeah. economy, in today's day and age. That's sign, not a bad you sign, number. You sign Vargas for two years, eight million a year. You're getting 
everyday production out of a guy for two more million a year, uh, that's a great deal. And uh, as long as he continues to do what he's done, and he's done it in a multitude of uniforms and a multitude of positions, he's a guy that you're not going to have to really worry about, uh, you know, if he can get it going. He's been very steady his throughout his career, and he plays really good defense. He's a guy that you can put in four different positions around the infield, and I think that versatility is going to really change the way that the dynamic that the Mets are playing baseball this year. It's no longer, you know, put a guy at third base and hope he makes the plays. You have a multitude of third basemen. And still, remember, we've got Cano Cano. coming back. Yeah, Got Cano coming back, who's going to be a a huge X factor in this whole thing. Because as I said, you bring him into spring training, you see what he has left, you see what he's capable of doing. And if he's coming off the bench for whatever amount of money, this ownership uh, has shown they don't care what the what the number is if this team is better with Robinson Cano then Robinson Cano will be on the team if they feel this uh, a different player that can make them better and they have to make the decision to you know cut him or, or release him I don't think they would bat an eyelash I don't think they would bat an eyelash uh, and do it and make sure that you know this organization knows that they're about getting better and and playing winning baseball well into October seven game series four games DeGrom, Scherzer, DeGrom, Scherzer. It almost it sounds almost too good to be true. We'll see what else they do. And listen, that we didn't address it, but they have to address the bullpen too. Losing on a loop, you, you gotta go get a maybe a Rogers, whoever it may be, Kimbrell, who knows who they get, but they have to address the bullpen and move on from the likes of Jerry's Familia and get some pieces for the bullpen because there's still days three through five. And what we saw from Carrasco wasn't good. Now, if Carrasco can be his old Cleveland self, he can be an X factor in this rotation, Figgy, because he came to the Mets as a huge additional piece to Francisco Lindor, whose contract looks like chump change per year compared to Max Scherzer. You know, we were yelling and screaming about a 10-year deal. This is two years with a 30-year option. It's a lot different. But his role becomes important because he could really be the three in this rotation if he has a good offseason, he stays healthy and pitches like that. And a Taiwan Walker pitches like the first half Taiwan Walker. He's big too. And then we'll see what else they do. So there's more pieces that are going to be done. I'm sure we'll have another emergency show maybe in the coming days if they get bias and other pieces. But for now, you love what the Mets have done in this last four to five days. And what a turnaround. You could hang the tweet in the Louvre. I'm not happy this morning. I've never seen such unprofessional behavior exhibited by a player's agent. I guess in words and promises don't matter. Insert the Vince McMahon gif strutting, Conor McGregor strutting. It is go time in Queens. And we'll talk about that go time coming up next with the Mets beat writer for the New York Post. That'd be Mike Puma coming right up on Amazing But True. Four piece. Can you count to four? One, two, three, four. All right. He's on vacation, but he's happy to join Amazing But True now. That's, of course, Mets beat writer for the New York Post. Mike Poom. Follow him on Twitter at NYPost underscore Mets. I mean, you're not on a tropical island. We're actually looking at a black screen right now. So we were concerned about you. I guess there's some uh, camera issue, but glad to have you on. Sorry to interrupt your vacation, but we have to because this is one of the biggest moves in Mets history. How did Max Scherzer to the Mets materialize? Because I thought I think we all were up Sunday night late into the night. Puma thinking that they were playing with us or we were going to wake up Monday and we were hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray. But it's happening three years, 130. 
How did this happen? Yeah, and I, you know, I actually go back to the GM meetings a few weeks ago when Scott Boris was asked about Scherzer, and I think everybody's assumption was that Scherzer wanted to stay on the West Coast because that's uh, where he seemed to wanted to go at the trade deadline. You know, the Dodgers uh, got him, but the Giants had also been involved at the time. And and Boris at the GM meetings, of course, he has to say this. He, he can't say my client is just limiting himself, but he, he was convincing in his case that that. Scherzer would be open to, to, to coming back east. And then, you know, we had a series of events here where, you know, the Mets were in on uh, Kevin Gaussman uh, at one point, and then he came off, uh, you know, he came off the board. You know, the Mets were in on Scherzer at that point, but then went kind of pedal to the metal uh, because uh, the, the options were starting to evaporate here. Even right down to the end here until this morning, you had to wonder, was Scherzer using the Mets just to try and get a comparable deal. In the end, it materialized, and here we are with uh, a Mets rotation with Jacob deGrom and uh, Matt Scherzer, uh, five Cy Young Awards uh, between the two of them, and uh, a rotation that's going to be exciting to see here if everybody's healthy. Are they done with what they have done thus far, and and, and do you think there's another move to be made? I don't think they're done. I I think they they still want to get another arm for the rotation. I think, uh, you know, Javi... Baez is still on their radar. I, I think some smaller moves uh, could be made here. I, no, I, I don't think they're done by a long shot. I, I think we're going to see, and we haven't even talked about the bullpen. So I, I, I think we're going to see uh, a few more things fall here. I think probably a couple of them uh, before the lockout, and then uh, we may have to wait until February to, to get the rest of the puzzle. But I, I think we'll see a couple of pieces fall here uh, before uh, 11.59 on uh, December 1st. Gun to your head now, do you think Bias stays or he goes? I think he stays. I think the Mets are going to make a big push here. They liked him from his, his couple of months, uh, the uh, thumbs down notwithstanding. I mean, and I, I think Bias. uh learned his lesson from that and was generally uh, well-respected in the clubhouse. Uh, they, they liked the energy he brought. I think the Mets make a push to, to sign him here. And if I, if I had to lean one way or the other, I, I think something gets done with Javi Baez. Anybody on the radar that you can foresee coming to the Mets? You know, I, I don't see anything that's imminent right now. Um, you know, I, I know they like the left-hander with Minnesota, who, who's Rogers. very good. Yeah, I know. I know they like him now. It's a matter of is he tendered a contract on Tuesday? Say he does get tendered a contract, then the, the, the Mets want to trade for him. I, I think they're they're kind of looking at him along the lines of uh, if he gets non-tendered. I think they're looking at that those possible uh, non-tenders. You know, Matthew Boyd from the Tigers is another name that's kind of come up a little bit. Uh, and uh, even Gary Sanchez, what happens with him with the Yankees? Could he, you know, with the Mets, could he slide into a backup catcher slash righty DH role? Billy Epler obviously has a history with uh, Gary Sanchez. So I, I think they're, they're going to be looking at that uh, non-tender list on Tuesday, and, and, and that could help potentially fill a, a couple of spots. Yeah, I saw you tweet about that. I don't want Gary Sanchez. I'm sorry. He is just so bad defensively, and – yeah, while he'd be an upgrade offensively from what they had, his defense was offensive. I mean, it was just not good for the Yankees, still going down on one knee. I just, I don't know if I want any part of that. And he had a bunch of homers, but he did that at Yankee Stadium. It's not going to be the same situation at City Field. So I do want the Mets to address catching depth, although Tomas Nito must know someone's coming for his job because he's been tweeting up the wazoo. <laughs> I mean, he's a must-follow on Twitter, and he might not be a Met next season. Maybe they get an Andrew Miller as a lefty reliever 
Uh, we'll see what they end up doing. But the other moves here, Puma, Starling Marte, as I said earlier in the show, I've wanted for years. Incredible move. Top of the lineup with Nimmo. Gets on base. Stole 47 bases. Canna and Escobar. Do you look at them as playing a majority of the game? Are they each going to play 100-plus games, or are these part-time players for the Mets? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't, I don't, I don't know the answer to that yet. Now, obviously, if if Baez returns, maybe that that changes how they they view Escobar a little bit. In Escobar, you have a guy who could play a couple of different positions. He's comfortable playing third. He's comfortable playing second. I mean, he could basically Jonathan VR, except that. You know, I, I think he's a, a a higher level Jonathan VR, and now they brought in VR last year, kind of thinking of him as a backup, and injuries kind of forced him in. You're bringing in Escobar as if not a starter, like he's uh, right there, an almost full time starter. You know, Canna, you know, righty bat. Now the million dollar question is if. Michael Conforto is still hanging around after the lockout. You can get him and put him in the outfield. Do, do the Mets make an effort to, to bring him back? It seems like this regime is is looking to turn the page from a lot of players, a lot of players who have been here, a lot of players who have gotten opportunities and they haven't really made the most of them. So you're looking at, you know, Brandon Nimmo was a nice center fielder. Was he the best? No, but – Hey, you had a chance to get somebody who you think is going to help your team immensely, and they did that. They didn't bat an eyelash. They didn't say, oh, I wonder how Nimmo's going to feel about not being the center fielder anymore. No, they went out and they did it. Escobar is the same thing. Escobar is a guy who's going to hit you 20 home runs and drive in 80 RBIs. He's done it everywhere he's played, and he's one of those quiet guys that you don't really hear of until you start looking at the numbers. Canna as well. When you start looking at the F war, whatever the hell that means – these guys are on the top of the list where the other names are $100 million players. So you have to give some respect to that because the front office is looking at it from a different side where they just signed those three guys with Marte. It was $130 million. It was almost the same as Max Scherzer's deal. But what did you do? You solidified yourself in three areas. And even if they're I – don't, I don't perceive them as bench players, but more as the new platoon is going to be different. This isn't like the lefty-righty platoon thing. This is going to be a platoon where they're trying to keep guys as fresh as possible, get guys you know in the lineup, into a rhythm, into the that that mix of of playing you know whatever position it may be. That's the versatility that you have. If you have guys like Baez who can play three different positions, you have Canna who can play different three positions. You know Escobar went over to the Milwaukee Brewers and he played first base. The team that does it probably the best is the Dodgers. The way they move all those Absolutely. guys around, and you know you got a guy. They had a guy like Chris Taylor who could play mm-hmm. all those positions, and. You know, they move Max Muncy or, you know, just Bellinger, all those guys. Yeah. Just the way, yeah. Just the way it, it, it I mean, that, that that's kind of, I think, the model uh, when you bring in guys like this. What does the impending, I think a lot of us don't know what the lockout means in terms of it's going to be in the offseason, but should fans not be booking their trips at the end of February to spring training? Like, how long does this go? Can it go into the season? Do you have any insight, Puma, on this lockout? Because I don't think enough people are talking about it. We're just expecting to shut down here at midnight, you know, at 11.59 on December 1st. And then who knows how long this thing goes. It could go into the season. I I think come February, though, the unsigned players are going to start itching to get signed. And they're going to start doing the math and be like, okay, how many, you know, how many days, weeks do do we need to get ready so that we don't miss any regular season? That's when it's going to hit home is when these guys' regular season games are scrapped. That's going to start taking money out of their pockets. So I think by, you know, early February, it's really going to squeeze, you know, put the squeeze on everybody to get this thing going. Yeah, both players and owners, I think uh, everybody wants that pot 
not only to continue to grow, but, you know, they want their shares to continue to grow uh, of what they're each getting out of it. So it'd be difficult to have that happen with a shortened season and really pissing fans off and making them not want to go to the ballpark where you can watch on TV and have a great view of everything and all the action. Cable monies are tapped out right now at $50 million a year pretty much for what you're going to be able to show on television. Fans would willingly stay home and, and not support the product at the ballpark. So you have to make sure you don't alienate the fans in that capacity. I think, you know, everybody, this isn't a, um, you know, greed is good situation. You're hoping that both sides can figure out what's best for the game because this game is going to outlast both the players and the owners in the end. So uh, I hope this isn't a, you know, stand tall and say, well, we have more money than you have. Let's see who can last the longest. Both sides want certain things and we can do a whole episode on this. But I think in the end, the lockout happens throughout Christmas time, New Year's, and I think before spring training hits because we've had it before where with no lockout, there was over 200 guys unsigned almost. That's normal. That's become normal. And that's one of the problems with free agency is that that's become the new norm is that guys don't even know what team they're with until February. Where in the past, if you didn't know who you were with by Christmas, because you usually got, you know, a, a team hat or a shirt, you know, with, with it on there, uh, whatever new team you had, you're panicking, saying, you know, I, I need to find a job. And well, I remember a, a few years ago, uh, the Mets had already reported to camp when they signed Jason Vargas. They were already, you know, three or four days into pitchers and catchers, and they signed Jason Jason Vargas for the rotation. If you're a good listener, you would have caught there that Figgy started what he said with everybody wants the pot. And then Mike Puma started with talking about Jason Vargas. So both things go hand in hand. If you catch my drift there and uh, that's Mike Puma, he's on vacation. We're going to let him go. You know, the lockout could be good for you. It could mean no stories and a chance for you to go to the Bahamas. Do you have any trips planned coming up, Puma? Well, actually, right now, the reason it's dark on my screen is I'm at the North Pole. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Merry Christmas. Well, Merry Christmas to you if we don't talk to you and a Happy New Year, Puma. Thanks for coming on. All right, guys. Take care. That's Chicken McNugget money. Stop it. All right, Figgy, that seals the deal on episode 93 of Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Andrew Hartz for helping me out in producing the show and the intern Cameron Ezer. Figgy, I need your one Thanksgiving food hot take. It's that mom's cooking is better than anybody else's cooking. Okay, that's that's not a hot take. I, I would agree with that. My mom made the whole Thanksgiving meal and it was great. So I say cranberry sauce should be, be rid of. We should never have cranberry sauce ever again. Puerto Ricans <laughs> don't have cranberry sauce, bro. Yeah, what is a Puerto Rican? in Thanksgiving like what what did what was what did you have on Thursday turkey rice and beans pasteles pasteles is that pasta and (laughs) negatory it's almost like a tamale but it's meat encased inside of bananas you have to try it to understand what it is it's it's Andrew have you ever heard of pasteles before pasteas as someone that that went to school in Queens with a rather ethnic community yes I actually do know and it's absolutely delicious there you go I need to be cultured (laughs) well we knew that already I've gained about 20 pounds and maybe pasteles I'd I'd lose weight potentially nah probably not it it doesn't sound it, it sounds healthy but it really isn't it's just phenomenal then also we had uh penny which is roasted pork uh um, like penny hardaway no but it's pernil p-e-r-n-i-l but it's pernil 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 was fantastic again mom makes the best mac and cheese my sister makes a great mac and cheese um there was also pasta dishes for the vegetarians just a, a smorgasbord you walk in there and it's like golden corral with everything set up with a buffet uh. style walk through get one plate walk through and get your second plate as you uh try to figure out what you're going to do for dessert desserts all over the place and of course 
Old Faithful, the Coquito was flowing. I do know what Coquito Coquito is. That's Pasito Coquito. Coquito, it's the drink. It's the drink, the beverage, the alcoholic beverage. Um, I had a lot of white wine. And you mentioned Golden Corral. I will never be able to hear the words, my pleasure ever again, after hearing it seven times in a row from a guy in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru. So I am my pleasured out 12 days in South Carolina. I could honestly make a Netflix special about it. But coming back to New York, hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. And and Figgy, hope you have a great Hanukkah. I know you're an avid uh, celebrator of Hanukkah. You're lighting the menorah as we speak. Uh, Uh, No, I wouldn't be lighting it now, Jake, because it's still sun out. You know, seriously, do you even know what Hanukkah is, Jake? uh, It's the Festival of Lights on these eight crazy nights. um, (laughs) On the first night of Hanukkah, Uncle Stevie gave me Maxi Scherzer. Ah, what a day. Scherzer, Marte, Canna, Escobar. You get a Met. You get a Met. You're a Met. You're a Met. Uncle Stevie's throwing out the money, and we're showing out the love here on Amazing But True. Follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio at Figgy and Y at Amazing But True. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Write in a nice review there. We appreciate your support. Catch up on all old episodes from this past season. We will be back with you in the next Emergency Mets News Hits. What comes next? We'll find out soon. Thanks, Uncle Stevie, and thanks to all you for listening to Amazing But True. We'll catch you next time. Happy Hanukkah, everybody. Peace. The Mets are back. Let's go, Mets.